It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. It's A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, how are we here again? Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday and a somber Monday it is. We appreciate you guys joining us here on A to Z. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, Matt Markzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. We will dive deep and heavy into the Atlanta Falcons after their week one bitter loss to their bitter rivals uh the Braves blow a game in the ninth lose another one they are game and a half back in the Mets now as they start a series in San Francisco tonight um yeah let's let's just start with the debacle that happened at Mercedes-Benz Stadium yesterday um the Falcons blow a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter lose to the Saints 27 to 26 and um it couldn't have gone much worse. Let me rephrase that. It couldn't have gone much better for three quarters and much worse for one quarter. And that is essentially the existence of the Atlanta Falcons and this entire fan base. So I feel bad for you guys and I get it and I understand, but it is not a fun way to begin your season. Let me start out by looking at the positives. Let me start out by looking at the things that I thought, you know, really deserve some credit. Um, the 201 rushing yards really deserve some credit. Um, the, the, way that they schemed Marcus Mariota and the offense, I thought was really good. Um, I, I think that they were smart and judicious about where they spread the ball around. Seven targets to Kyle Pitts, even though he only had two receptions, seems to be a good number for me. Uh, Drake London had as many targets. He caught five balls. That was another bright spot. Drake London, five catches for 74 yards. Um, you know, I think when you look at this overall, there is a certain amount of uh, consistency that we saw from the offense that I didn't know we were going to see. And I think it was really, you know, smart that Marcus Mariota doesn't throw an interception. He does fumble, but that's a different conversation. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, and you played really well. You had four sacks on defense. Who would have predicted a four-sack game from the Falcons at any point in time this year? If I would have said yes or no to a four-sack game, you would have said no. They get it in week one. Uh, I, I am very much a guy who has looked at this team objectively from the start of the season and said there are some things that I think they're going to do better. I think they're going to surprise some people. I did tell you the Falcons were going to cover the five and a half, and they did. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be in this manner. All that said, you know, what we focus on more than anything is the collapse in the fourth quarter. And how can you not? Because that sort of stuff is inexcusable. And I have to, where's my sheet here? I got to get the numbers, but this is kind of the way things break down. 
Um, they gave up a total in the game. And you just have to process this as far as the game is concerned. But in the game total, they gave up 380 yards, um, which is not bad. 385 yards, which is not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. 280 of those came in the second half. 213 of them came in the final quarter. And that, in and of itself, is unacceptable. I need you guys to process this because this is something I'm wrapping my head around. As I just said, the Falcons gave up 213 yards and 17 points in the fourth quarter. They possessed the ball for nine minutes and 35 seconds of that fourth quarter. That's a tough one to explain. That's a tough one to justify. It is a tough one for us to uh, wrap your head around. You, you just don't see that sort of stat line happen often, and it needs to be explained. And I will go back to one of the people here who needs to explain it in just a moment. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Still got a Monday night football game tonight. Go to betonline.net. You see the Broncos laying six and a half points, total of around 44 and a half. Uh, those are pretty solid numbers here, like the Broncos tonight. But you can find reviews of that game and news on every other league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered, and live in-game betting is a great way to sort of baptize yourself by fire um, just by watching a game and understanding what's going on. So you can check that out at BetOnline. You head there today, BetOnline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where the game started for the Falcons was in the fourth quarter, and that's where it ended because everything that they did for the first three quarters sort of went by the wayside and evaporated in the fourth quarter. I mean, look, the Saints had three drives in the fourth quarter. Here's how they went. Four plays, 75 yards in a minute, 29. Eight plays, and by the way, that was a touchdown. Eight plays, 81 yards in 338. That was also a touchdown. And then five plays, 57 yards in 19 seconds, uh, in 29 seconds, rather, uh, and a field goal. For some reason... And Dean Pease is not the only coach guilty of this. I wish he was, but he's not. Um, for some reason, there is a sense of going to, you know, uh, uh, this prevent defense where they sit back and they wait for, you know, they, they, they wait for the other team to sort of slowly, methodically get down the field. But nonetheless, this is just inexcusable. Like you can't, and your best corner, A.J. Terrell, got picked on nonstop by Mike Thomas. That was bad. I mean, it, it's crazy that in that moment, Jameis Winston, of all people, decided to go up against one of the top corners in the league and go to probably his top receiver on the team and did it repeatedly without hesitation, and Mike Thomas caught every single ball thrown his way. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, I can't wrap my head around how all that came to pass uh, and the way things ended up going. Like, it, it was really, really tough um, for me to understand how things worked out that way. And I'm just kind of going through the play chart here in the fourth quarter 
And I mean, I see when it's the Saints ball here. Uh, you know, he goes to on the first drive, he goes to Thomas in the end zone, scores a touchdown on the next drive. Uh, where did it go here to do? Let me see. Uh, one, two more passes to Thomas and Jarvis Landry got was open a lot yesterday, too. He was also big on that final drive. Uh, and then do, 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 first play on the nope, that was to Jarvis Landry was the big play. Uh, on the field goal. I mean, it just, it was perplexing. Uh, it was, it was ugly. And Dean Peace kind of has to answer for it. And I talked about this, you know, all Dean Peace bluster, Dean Peace's bluster about this defense and, you know, how things are going to change around here and everything else. I, I you got to wear it, bro. I mean, you have to, you have to own it at this point in time. You, you, you're obviously not going to put it back on your players as a coach and say it was their fault. You're going to say it was your fault in the scheme, this, that, and the other. But guys got to get better. And guys got to play better in those crucial moments. There was no pass rush. There was no coverage. Everything was soft. There were two high safeties. And it was an open zone. And and New Orleans took advantage. It's bad. It's bad. Was it the end of the season? No. Is it mean that this team is going to stink this year? Absolutely not. Does it mean that they can't get better? Of course not. It's a bad loss to your bitter rival in week one where you blew a 16-point lead. That's always going to be very hard to swallow, period. Especially for a coaching staff and a team that wanted so badly to prove everybody wrong. And that, to me, uh, will lead me into my next point here about the leader of this team and the stance he took yesterday and why it's going to set up very poorly for him coming up that's next right here on a to z on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast search locked on sports atlanta be right back welcome back to a to z here on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast search locked on sports atlanta follow all the shows right here on locked on atl a great network of shows this is a to z you have hitting hard with john chuckery atl day ones with jarvis davis and tanisha batiste our braves postcast John, I hope they start winning again after every Braves game as well. Uh, locked on Falcons with Aaron Freeman, locked on Hawks with Brad Roland. Okay. Um, let's get back to the Falcons here because this is rather alarming to me um, and it's troublesome. And I, I don't like where this is headed. And I caveat all this by saying, and if you've listened to me on this show and you've heard me on radio here locally, or you've heard me talk about it period at any point in time, I like Arthur Smith. I think he's an excellent coach. I think he's really smart. I think he's innovative. And I think that he is a guy that is in a good position to help turn this franchise around. That all said, when you take a stance in the offseason about and, and note out loud to the public about the expectations that you have, and you have to defend not tanking, and you have to defend the fact that people have low expectations of you. And you have to defend the fact that, you know, nobody thinks that you're going to be any good. And you do that repeatedly. And you talk about the level of confidence you have and that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we are going to be a team that that is going to, to, to surprise people. And it's not necessarily like you said that, but just, hey, you know, we're, we know what we're doing here and, and we're just going to stick to it and that's going to work for us. And I said repeatedly that that sort of stance I like it. I appreciate it. But it's setting yourself up if you don't win ball games. And as we got closer to the regular season, he sort of hammered on it a little bit more and hammered in on it a little bit more about, you know, 
people on the internet and what people are writing and this, that, and the other. Um, you can't have rabbit ears if you're a head coach in the NFL. That's the one thing you can't have. And Arthur Smith, after the game, showed that he has rabbit ears. And it's a problem. And he is now, after this game, and I'm going to let you listen to it in a moment, that after this game has now made the media the antagonist and him and his team the protagonist here and setting up a very adversarial relationship. I'm not saying that he can't be upset after a loss, and I'm not saying that in those moments after a loss that he doesn't have a right to be a little bit emotional. Of course he does. Those post-game press conferences are tough on a lot of coaches. How you handle them speaks very much to who you are and what kind of team you're going to be. But when you end your post-game press conference after walk and, and walk off, you know, before everybody was done and you do it in this manner, there's only one way you get out of this. And it's a really, really tough path. Here, Arthur Smith, as he ended his post-game press conference yesterday. So write whatever y'all want. The same guys that you guys ranked as 45th, you buried us in May. Bury us again. We don't care. We'll get back to work. Thank you. Okay, here's the problem, Arthur Smith. You need to explain to me and everybody else, what does a ranking in May and, quote, burying this team and ranking you 45th and, and having no expectations and writing bad things about this team have to do with the fact that you gave up 213 yards and 17 points and blew a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter of a football game. It has nothing to do with it. And you can't make it have something to do with it. And oh, by the way, for the record, I don't think anybody in this town has buried this team. I don't think anybody in this town has written this team off. In fact, I think most people in this town, most of the media in this town, have been rather objective and leaning positive towards what this team is. There are a lot of people, and I, I read everything that the media in this town writes. It's my job to read what they write. I'm a damn talk show host. I live off opinions. It's what pays my bills. So I read everything everybody writes, and I don't see anybody with the stance that this team stinks. They'll go nowhere. What they've done is they've talked about their ceiling, and they've talked about their floor. They've been objective about the roster, what their strengths are, and what their weaknesses are. I think everybody has been more than fair here locally to this team. If you want to talk about national media, that's a different conversation. If you want to say the national media, and they have, because we've went over those roster rankings and everything else, where they position group always put the Falcons at the bottom of the league, fine. But what Arthur Smith needs to understand is that is local media at the game after the press conference, and we're not the ones who have been writing you off. And to take that stance was poor on him. And he's only got one way out. And I'll tell you what that is here in a second. But first, a word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Guys, I tell you about my morning routine. I get up, walk right downstairs, go right to the Keurig, pop in a K-cup from Coffee AM with one of their flavored blends from around the world, whether it's Kenya, Sumatra, Tanzania, Costa Rica. All of the flavors are absolutely amazing. And I start my, way that, my day that way because, well, I love great coffee. Uh, and it is fresh because it is roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. So you know you're getting a great product that is absolutely one that is going to taste amazing. And it smells great too. Tell you about that time when the box came to my house, you open it up and the smell just smacks you right in the face. That's Coffee AM. And that's why they're their best small batch coffee roaster in America. And they're so good 
at what they do. Check them out for yourself. Go online, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Check out the full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Again, coffees from around the world, flavored coffees, espressos, teas, everything. Coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Look at the full menu. Use the promo code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order. Again, coffeeam.com backslash locked on and use the promo code locked on for 50% off at checkout. Here's what Arthur Smith did yesterday to a certain extent. Um, when you take this stance that we buried you and that we wrote you off and you're going to go back to work, hi, if you don't start winning games, you look like the fool. You're making us the bad guy when your team didn't play to the level of expectation that you told us they would. So now you've given yourself a very small window to get through. And I'm not necessarily saying Arthur Smith didn't take accountability for the loss, but he brought up two or three times yesterday in the postgame press conference rankings and what the media writes and what, what we said about you coming into this season. None of that has to do with the fact that you blew a 16-point lead. None of it. And you bringing it up only gives us more reason to continue to question you about the quality of your roster, the depth of your coaching the ability for you guys to hold leads, the ability to not quote Falcon as we know it. I mean, it's a really, really tough stance to take. And I'm not sure why he's doing it. And somebody from his PR team better get their foot in his backside and tell him this is not the angle you want to go. The local media is not the bad guys. Forget about the national media. The local media has been very kind to you. They have wrote complimentary things about you. They've applauded your sense of, hey, you know, we're not going to tank. Thank you, Jeff Schultz of The Athletic. But there are plenty of people who have who have not buried this team here locally. And for Arthur Smith to go down that road um, needs to be explained a little bit further. It genuinely does. Because I'm not sure why. There, there's no connection to what somebody wrote in May and what you did in week one. Why bring it up? Why, why even acknowledge it? You know, I am all for coaches who make mental notes of what people say and make mental notes of, of what's written and make mental notes of how they frame this team. And you know what you do with those mental notes? Because I watched this. I watched this happen. Uh, and it was perfectly executed by John Harbaugh when I covered the Ravens. He took every mental note that somebody wrote about the Ravens not being able to get over the hump, not being able to beat the Patriots, not being able to beat the Steelers, right? Uh, and not being as good as they are and kept falling short for his first four years. And you know when he waited to bring it out? After he won a Super Bowl. You know when he waited to bring it out? When he got to the top of the mountain. You know when he waited to tell everybody that he was right and you were wrong? After it actually happened. You get one chance to do that. You get one chance to stick it back in the people's face and the media's face about what they wrote about you and what they said about you and how they were wrong. You don't do it after a week one loss where you blew a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter. That's not how that works. You don't get to tell your ex that you're better off without her after the next girl you date dumps you. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You, you, you have to like, you know, get into another successful relationship. Because that's essentially what just happened yesterday. It's a really, really strange stance and a really tough pivot for me to, to, to wrap my arms around. Again, and I say all this and I caveat it with, I like Arthur Smith. I think he is really, really, really good at what he does. 
But the way he handled the media is pretty much a, a swing and a miss yesterday. And it's got to get better fast. Got to get better by winning games, but he also has to be better about how he handles losses. Speaking of swinging and missing, Braves, oh, anybody starting to feel the pressure with two weeks left? We'll discuss it next right here. A to Z, Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Final segment of A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll get to the Braves here uh, and some other NFL reaction from week one in just a moment. But now time for Shovel of Wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every day. We have to whack somebody up straight upside the head for saying or doing something stupid. You can do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zimmer. Use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. Uh, and today my shovel goes to an Arizona man named Jay Albert Stevens. You know, everybody uh, who's a fan of True, True Crime podcasts, um, we listen to them because we are anticipating the ending. We want to know how it all works out. We want to know who's guilty and who did the bad thing that they did on these True Crime podcasts. Well, uh, I can tell you that Jay Albert Stevens, his story will never be on a true crime, crime podcast. Why? Uh, well, last week, uh, he uh, flagged police officers down in the middle of the road just after midnight. And once after getting the police officer's attention, um, Jay Albert Stevens decided to confess to the cops that he had just killed someone and then led them directly to the house where the body was of the person he had killed. Uh, I'm not condoning murder by any size, way, shape, or form, but try to get away with it, man. Like, isn't that why we listen to True Crime Podcast? Because we want to hear exactly how the whole thing unfolds. You made it easy on him, bro. No investigative work whatsoever. None. None. Just, there you go. There's a body. I did it. Take me to jail. Thank you. This is easier on the court. The best thing to hear. Yeah. Right, what hasn't been easier is watching the Braves over the last 48 hours uh, as yesterday uh, they have a Rousing comeback in the ninth inning, scoring five runs, taking a 7-6 lead, and uh, watch Kenley Jansen blow it in the ninth and losing 8-7. to seven. Uh, They lost 2-3 to Seattle, and uh, including a start by Max Freed, which is, again, uh, mind-numbing at times when that happens because he pitched really well. And now they're a game and a half back from the Mets in the first place. They start three-game series in San Francisco tonight. Uh, okay, well... Here's the thing, more than anything, for me, uh, is, I said this last week, if Kirby is going to make a change, it needs to happen now. You're not going to do it with a week left in the season. If you want to move off of Jansen as the closer, do it now. You cannot wait. Like this series, first opportunity, you skip Jansen and you give the ball to Iglesias. That's it. Absolutely cannot continue to go down this road and make a change just as the postseason gets it. You're playing essentially postseason games right now. You're in a pennant race to win the division. Losing the division and getting the top wild card gets you a definitively harder path back to the World Series than anybody has ever had uh, because it's the first year of this new playoff format. And you 100% need to figure out who your closer is going to be. We all know Kirk, we all know Kirby. We all know Ron Coach. We all know Snitker is loyal, loyal to a fault. 
and uh, it is it is downfall in certain cases, but it's also certain for the growing others. All that said, you know, if you're going to make a switch, do it. If you're not, if you're going to accept the consequences, if a state is blown in the postseason, believe it or not, I think the latter is the road that Brian Smith will go down. I 100% believe he is willing to accept the consequences and will not move off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Is going to rival. The other thing I think that needs to be addressed and no one's really talking about is Odorizzi should not get another start the rest of the year. Sorry. There's, there's literally no reason to give him the ball again. Since he's come over, he has been as bad as you can imagine. I mean, literally, he's had one decent start and that was against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He happens to Pittsburgh Pirates. Other than that, three runs, two runs, five runs, two runs, four runs. And he's only gotten out of the fifth inning. There's literally no reason for him to get another start. He got beat up by the Mets both times. That's a team that you're going to end up playing in, in, in a series where he may start. Let me just look at this real quick. Because, uh, the Braves are playing their last non-NL East opponent. The Giants, this game series, they have nothing but NL East opponents left. The Mets only have eight games left against the NL East. Three of them were against the Braves. But let me just see here. Okay, so Odorizzi right now is slated to miss the Mets series altogether. You're asking me, who would you start in this place? I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Spot starts coming out of the bullpen, I don't know what to tell you. Do a bullpen game. There's no reason whatsoever to give Odorizzi the ball. Just not. And oh, by the way, I talked about this routinely. Um, talk about stoppers and guys who you need to have big games. Kyle Wright needs to have a huge, a huge game. After the two losses, I think just took 100%. This is one where he's got to come off the tail off. Uh, and go out there and really be a stop of this team. Because losing again tonight, while the Mets are taking on the Cubs, especially at Chase Stadium, really, really tough. So, all right. Uh, let's finish up here some reactions from week one in the NFL. Because I think that you can look at across the board, you know, uh, some of these games, and I think some games say, one thing about one team, but another team, another thing about another team. I.e., uh, I go to the Dolphins and Patriots right away. I feel like that game says more about the Patriots and how not good they're going to be than necessarily how good the Dolphins could be. Um, you know, the Vikings dismantling the Packers, I think, says more about how good the Vikings really can be, not so much the Packers are going to be bad. Uh, the Texans signing the Colts. Says more to me that the Texans are underrated 
necessarily the Colts were struggling. I think there was a lot of that in week one that we saw across the board. Uh, and for all you people who uh into major survival polls and put the Niners Titans and Colts out there, you lose. So uh, there are a lot of, again, I think the Giants beating the Titans says more about the Titans maybe having some growing pains to deal with than necessarily the Giants being a good team. Raymond Barker was fantastic next year. I guess is will be injured by week six, but that's the game like that. So, uh, and the Browns beating the Panthers yesterday, to me, says more about Cleveland players two for 53 on the roster. Very good roster. As long as the program set doesn't turn the football over, they can do it. That's how good that roster is. Chiefs dismantling the Cardinals, beat the crap out of them. Cardinals are going to struggle. Chiefs are going to be really good, but it says more about, hey, your Cardinals have to strap it up. This is going to be that. All right, uh, that'll do it for us today. Uh, back tomorrow, hopefully, we'll all calm down from the Falcons loss. You can follow us through that. Uh, if you have very good thoughts on. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.